Now, let's get back into Daniel. Chapter 7. We're going to finish the chapter off today. So today, what we're going to have a look at is we're going to look at the books. Last week I spoke to you about two thrones, the white throne judgment, and I spoke about the beamer seat of Christ. You remember that? We'll visit a little bit of that this morning. But then in that same verse, it said, and when the ancient of days sat, the books were opened. I'm going to talk about those books. You will find that there are different books the Bible talk about. Different books. You will find that you appear in at least one of those books. You definitely appear in one. And I pray that everybody appears in the second book, the book of life. That's the most important book of all. We're also going to learn today and we're going to see and we're going to read about the Antichrist and how he's going to be conquered by the Son of Man. You will find in the book of Daniel that this is the first time that that title is being used for Jesus, the Son of Man. And the only time in the Old Testament. We're going to see the interpretation of Daniel's dream, of, of course, this morning, and we'll see that there is a kingdom on his way. <laughs> I've got to say this. There are some people believing that we are already in tribulation. There are some who say that we are already going through the wrath of God. That's a lie. There are some who say that we are already in the kingdom of God. That's a lie. Yes, his kingdom did come. And his kingdom can live in you. It's called Jesus Christ. And the only way it can happen is through a born again experience. You cannot join the body of Christ. The problem of today in the churches is there are too many joiners. You have to be born into the body. It's not how you grew up in a church. It is how you are born in a church or into the body. We also see who is going to rule that kingdom. All in this book, in this chapter, this morning. So let's get to Daniel chapter 7 verse 10. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands and thousands ministered to him. Then thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Before we get to the books, these thousands and thousands that ministered to him, they are the angels and the saints. You and I are going to minister to him. How are we going to minister to him? We're going to worship him. Every day of our eternal life, we're going to worship God. Isn't that fascinating? I honestly heard somebody said one day, we're going to lie under a tree for a million years and relax. No, dear friend, you and I are going to work. You see, work wasn't intended to be in sweat and hardship. When God told Adam and Eve in the beginning, He said, you have to till the land. It was a pleasure to do that. They didn't get tired of it. But when sin entered in, God said, now you will sweat for what you're doing. And when we're going to be restored back to the place in, in the eternal life, we will work. But it's not going to be hard labor for you. We're going to minister to God. We're going to minister to one another. How we ought to do that. And He's going to bring us back. You see, some people even believe we're going to live in heaven forever. No, we're coming back to a new heavens and earth. And we're going to work on that earth. It's not just a free ride and free lunches from now. Hey, wake up. It's morning tea. And after morning tea, go to sleep. I'll wake you up again at lunchtime. No. Time will be no more. It's fascinating to think about this. 
The 10,000 times 10,000 who stood before Him, they are the ones who are going to appear before the judgment seat or the white throne judgment of God. Now, they are part of the second resurrection. They are going to be, their whole life is going to play out in front of them and all the things that they did, which is sin before God. And we're going to see that now. Because it says, and the books were opened. That there refers back to Revelation chapter 20. This is a prophecy in the book of Daniel thousands of years before it's really going to happen. He talks into the future. And you and I are so privileged this morning to have the book of Revelation to see what he's talking about. Because if you look in Revelation chapter 20, and I really honestly ask you to go and read the whole chapter to put it in context, you come to verse 20, he says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. Who? The dead. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before Him. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Did you know in heaven there's books? And there's angels sitting and writing in the books. What is going on on this earth? What's going on in your life? They are meticulous in that. Every single word that you say is written up. Every single thing you do, when you kick the dog and bite the cat's tail, it's written up in there. In the dark, the things that you do, they can see where you can't see, they see. And it's written up. Every single detail is written in these books. But you see, dear friends, it is fantastic to realize that we're going to minister to Him here and we not stand there for judgment because we've already appeared before the beam seat of Christ to receive a reward. Turn in your Bibles. I just want to take you there so that there's no confusion to 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Everybody there? He says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. Is that your aim this morning? Do you want to be well-pleasing to God? For we must, everybody say must. Come on everybody, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. You see, when we talk about this seed, it's called the Bema seed in Greek. Bema seed. At the beam of seat was where in Rome they would sit down the king and they would appear before him, they would bring people before him to promote them, to give them a reward. It was not a judgment seat to send them to jail or to kill them. But when you come to the book of Revelation at the end, the white throne judgment, that's a judgment seat for the things you've done wrong or good and wrong. Now look at this here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? 
but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants anything nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Where are you going to get that reward? At the Bema seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5, verse 9 and 10. So I want you to make it clear that when these books are opened here, oh yes, these books for you and me, all the work you do after the cross will be judged by His fire. Okay, and the things which are done in His name and for His good, you will receive a reward for that. The Bible talks of at least five crowns. The crown of a martyr. The crown of a winner. At least five of them. But let's look at these books. In Revelation 20, it says these books. Now, I want you to notice the plural form and the singular form. The books were opened and a book was opened. The books plural and books singular, there's only one book of life, no two or three books of life. And your name need to be written in that book of life. And there's only one way that your name can be written in that book of life. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. No other way. You have to be born again. John chapter 3 talks all about that. Now let's identify these books. There are many books, but I'll identify a few for you. The books we can see. We first we get the book of the law, Galatians 3 verse 10. And there are many scripture verses, I'm just using one. He says the book of the law, where the law was written in. Have you got that book? It's right there. You've got the law written in your book. We can touch it. We can read it. The book of remembrance. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 talks about a book of remembrance. And all the things that Israel did was written in the book of remembrance. Why? Why would they want to write down the book of remembrance of Israel? So that you and I can read about it and it can be an example for us. What kind of an example? Because God is using the Jews, Israel, as a nation to show all of us how a sinful people can approach a holy God. That's the purpose of Israel. The book of remembrance. It's all there in your Bible. You can read of all the things that God did to that nation. The book of the prophets. Stephen talked about this in Acts chapter 7 verse 42. Where's that book? Here it is. Jeremiah, Isaiah, all the prophets. He talks about the book of Moses. Have you got it? It's the first five books of the Bible. Things you can touch. God loves books. But then there's books that you cannot see. The registered book of life. Have you ever thought that there's a book like that existing? Psalm 139. The book of sin and iniquities. All your things that's been written up, which you do wrong. And then the book of life. The Lamb's book of life. There's so many verses talk about that. Let's look at them. Psalm 139 verse 14. The book, the registered book of life. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your words that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought into the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed 
and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet were none of them. Dear friends, I want to tell you that every single child that is formed in the womb of the mother, that child's name is written in the register book of the world. They talk about abortion and they say, when do you have to do abortion? Well, according to this verse, you cannot do abortion and not call yourself a murderer. Because here it says, when I was made in secret, skillfully in the lowest part, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. How far do you have to go back? You know, some say it's only two weeks or three weeks you can still do it because it's not light yet. My Bible say they are wrong. The Bible say if you kill them, that's murder. But the good news here is that all of them, all of those babies being killed, they are written up in the book, the register book of the world. What name have they got? They haven't got names. They've got a name. Because when you read in the book of Revelation, it says, you and I will receive a new name. These children will have names. And by the way, are there children in heaven? <laughs> Contentious question, isn't it? Do we grow up in heaven? That's a total different question. Now let's have a look at this. He says, he saw my substance. And in your book they were all written. What were registered? The substance, substance, sorry, the unformed of, of a baby, and the days were written in them which were fashioned. You see, the days fashioned for me. They are robbing these children of the days fashioned for them when they kill them. And God will account those days of those people. Where? When the cord is sitting and the ancient of days come and the books are opened. And that person is doing the act and that person who gave the authority to do the act, they will stand before the white throne judgment of God. And not one single child who's been killed in this way will be missed. Because God is a meticulous counter and they are written up in the book, the registered book of life. Listen dear friends, you cannot come to me and say, I will slip God, I will be like Udini. You know what Udini said? He escaped all the things, they put him under the water in boxes and he escaped. And then he said, well, I'm going to escape death. And they put a phone in his coffin. And they would go every single day and listen whether he calls them. And then they eventually turn it off but he, because he can't escape death. You can't escape it. Now, let's go on to the book of sin. Psalm 109, verse 14. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. The only way you can blot something out is if you've written it down. Okay, he says, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. There's a book which your sins will be written in. Isaiah 43:25. I, even I, am he who blots out the transgression of my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. Where do you blot them out? You know, everybody used twink, tippets, twink. You see, in the Old Testament, the tipex or the twink was red by the blood of the animals who covered the sin. In the New Testament, there's a better twink. There's a better, te better tipex. It's the blood of Jesus Christ who washes it away. 
Luke chapter 12 verse 2, For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. That's why I warn people not to gossip. (laughs) Oh, it was only me and my best friend. Well, if that best friend of you gossip with you, what stops her to gossip about you to somebody else? You see, this verse is fantastic. It says, in the day of the light. We've got it in Revelation, dear friends. The day of the white throne judgment. And these people will stand there and they will think, maybe God will miss that day when I said those things in the dark. He misses nothing. Every single thing you say, are written up. What you say bad about other people are written up. Even if you swear at the dog or the cat is written up. Every single thing you do is in the book. You've heard about people, they say their whole life played out before them. The book is there. What a terrible thing to think about, isn't it? I mean, even everything that you think now is like a big screen before God. Every single thing, where you sit right now, where your mind is going off now. Did you know it, young man? Those thoughts that you have, you can't hide it from God, you can hide it from us, but the Bible talks about an inner room, and it's like graffiti on the walls. And you can recall those images every second moment of the day, but whilst you can return them back into your memory, God can see them. Everything you think about. You can't hide anything from God. It's written up in those books. There was a rabbi, Jehuda, who said, all the actions of men, whether good or bad, are written in the book, and all they shall be, and all of them they shall give account for. There's one of their rabbis. You know, they study these books. A rabbi can come here better than me, way better, and he can put this book away and you can quote to you passages just out of memory like that. They speak up on this. But you will say, that is a terrible thing. How are we going to escape this? We are sitting here this morning and I can just think of things that I said yesterday which I shouldn't have said. Are you in the same boat? Or I, I can think about things that I thought yesterday which I shouldn't have thought. How can we escape that? Well, friends, there's a cross. And there's a man who hangs on the cross for us. And when you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, this book is not erased with a razor. It is thrown away. It it says it's been removed like the east is from the west. And God does not think about your transgressions. Because it's gone. It's washed by the blood of the Lamb. You say, but give me that proof out of the Word of God, Colossians 2 verse 13, and you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Somebody say hallelujah. You see, there's still some people who want to appear before the white throne judgment. 
and then stand there with your heads bowed and all the sin being read off before all the people. It's not necessary, dear friend. Come to the cross now. Come now out of your own will and bow to the cross. Submit to the cross of Christ and cry out to heaven. Say, God, I have sinned against you. Say, Father, you know my life. You know what I've done. I confess to you now that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for what I've done. Please, blot out these sins that I've done. I feel so ashamed of them. And once you scream it out to heaven, dear friend, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you this morning, His blood washes you whiter than snow. He takes it away. Why would you want to go to the white throne judgment if you can appear before the beamer seat of Christ and receive the reward which was given to you and to me? You see, there were three crosses. And on one side there was a burglar and murderer and the other side as well. But in the middle hang the one with no sin at all. And he showed even on the cross for you and for me submittance to the cross. Because they believed that you had to break the legs. You see, they would hang there in the balance, fighting for their lives. But when the soldiers come around after six hours, they would break their legs so that they can't push them up to get air. And what happened? When they came to the first one, they broke his leg. They went to the second one, broke his leg. But when they came to Jesus, he already submitted to the cross. They didn't break his legs. You see, I want to tell you this. God wants your attention. And He will get your attention if He wants it. Because He's God. Do not wait until He breaks your life in pieces before you give Him your attention. Submit to the cross. So that this happens. I mean, there's many verses. I only pick this one. Who talks about Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. says that He forgive us our sins. And what happens... Uh, one, one, uh, John chapter uh, 1 verse 8 and 9 if we confess our sin He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness you see when we are young and I'm talking to young people now when we are young we think well you know it's another 20, 30, 40, 50 years for me do it now do it now you don't know how long you've got then there's the book of life Revelation 20 verse 12 and I saw the death small and great standing before God and the books were open and another book was open, the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which they written in the books Daniel 12 verse 1 says at that time Michael shall stand up you see what I told you when we come into chapter 7, we're going to go back we're going to go forward, we're going to go back here we've got Daniel, we, we're going to get there Michael stood up the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people and there shall be a time of trouble which some people think we will go through, but I'll show you in the book of Daniel and Revelation, no, a time of trouble. Such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time, and at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Written in the book. Now let's get back into Daniel and finish the chapter. Was the book interesting to you? And there's many more friends. There's many more in the books. You know, nobody will escape it. Hitler is going to be there. He's going to, Hi, Hitler! And then he will bow and confess out of his mouth who is the real king. Napoleon Bonaparte is going to be there. 
the shorty. Don't call me shorty. You are short in God's eyes. You name them. Hallelujah. Barack Obama will be there. I won't get there. Daniel chapter 7 verse 11 I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame you see this horn here that speaks refers to Revelation 13 verse 4 so when they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast they gave authority to the beast is the Antichrist who is able to make war with him uh, sorry, I missed my point. So, they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, that his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. Those who dwell in heaven fantastic once we get to that place verse 12 as for the rest of the beast they had their dominion taken away yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time I watched I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and His kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. You see this title here, One Like the Son of Man, is the first time and the only time that this phrase is used in the Old Testament. The Son of Man. It's the first time. But it is used 80 times in the Gospels. Why not the Son of God? Why the Son of Man? You get two titles, the Son of God and the Son of Man. You see, this is a prophecy towards the future. But when he's in the Gospels, he's already come down, lived amongst us, and he is now truly the Son of Man. He died on the cross to get that title. He's God with us. When he talks about the Son of God, he talks about his heavenly deity. When he talks about the Son of Man, he talks about his earthly kingdom, which he's going to come and set up. And he talks about that kingdom here. He says he's going to come with the clouds of heaven. He's going to come and a kingdom will be given to him. You see, the Son of Man is associated with the kingdom on the earth. He came to sit in the seat of David to rule as the king on this earth. They denied him that. He's going to come back again and for a thousand years he's going to reign as the king on the earth. It's interesting things once you look at it. It brings two questions to mind. First of all, to whom does this Son of Man refer? And secondly, what would be its proper fulfillment? What does it mean? Well, the first one, the answer to the first one, it refers to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that Son of Man. And the second one, what is the proper fulfillment when he comes at his second coming, put his feet on the Mount of Olives, walk through the Eastern Gate and set up his kingdom on this earth. The Son of Man. And listen, they will recognize him as the Son of Man. And there's only one way they can recognize him and it's 
if he was here already and taken away and come back again. And they will recognize him. I'm hurrying on now. Verse 15, I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to, to one of those who stood by, and I asked him the truth of all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. And he possesses the kingdom forever and ever and ever. I, I, listen, I think I have to show you something, otherwise you'll miss it. I'm, I'm going to read it again, because there's, there's a great, great passage here, which excites me. Look at this again. Those great beasts, which are four, are the four kings which arise out of the earth. Have you noticed that? Now look. But, sharp contrast, the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. Who's the saints? Us. Of the Most High. Look at these phrases here. The beast came out of the earth to rule. God set up his kingdom from heaven. Isn't it right? We are going to come with him in his second coming to set up this kingdom. He's going to set it up, but we're going to be kings and priests in it. So whilst they fight from the earth, they've got no chance against him who's going to come and set up his kingdom from heaven. John chapter 1 verse 2. But as many as received him, to them he gave their right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This talks about a heavenly birth. The saints up there got a heavenly birth from the Most High. And it's with Him that this kingdom is going to become and set up, not from the earth. So, everything this earth do, do or does will come to nothing. Isn't it fantastic to realize that? Revelation 1 verse 5, To Him who loved us and washed us from our sin in His own blood, and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So when he comes back in the second coming, we're coming with him as kings and priests. Verse 19, Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly great, dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devours and broke into pieces, and trampled the residue of its, with its feet, and the ten horns that were on his head, and the other horn which came up, before which three fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth which spoke pompous words, those appearance was greater than the fellows. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints, and prevailing against them, until the ancient of days come, and the judgment was made in favour of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom." I want you to concentrate because he talks about the Antichrist is going to make war against the saints. And if you read these words, it sounds as if he's going to win the saints. Is that right? Where's the saints? Well, they'll have to be on the earth. In this case, he's not talking about the heavenly saints. Because he will be able to make war against them and he will be able to beat them. But, if you take that as the church on the earth, then the Bible is, is contradicting itself. And I'll show you that in a minute. 
if this horn is the Antichrist and he fights against the saints, does this mean that the church will be on the earth as a target of the Antichrist during the tribulation? And the answer is no. Because in Revelation 12 verse 7 you see, and the dragon was enraged with the woman. And, and, and you'll see, I've studied in the book of Revelation that that woman is Israel. That's a pivotal thing to know. You will not understand the book of Revelation. Well, let me put it you this way. If you do not see that as Israel, then the book of Revelation will make no sense to you. That lady there, that woman there, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. These were the people after the rapture who give their hearts to the Lord. He will make war with them. He is going to want to destroy each and every single person who, who proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Coming in the gelatine again of Maria Antoinette. They're going to chop off people's heads then. Sorry to say it so graphically. But this woman here refers back to this war. And if we say, if we say these saints here is the church, then what does this verse mean in Matthew 16, 18? And I will say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. There God gave the church a protection. But here in Daniel he says I'm going to make war against the saints. No dear friends, that is the offspring of the woman in Revelation 12. Verse 23, thus he says, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and shall devour the old earth, trample it down and break it into pieces. The ten horns are the ten kings who shall arise from the kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and he shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hands for a time, times and a half. But the court shall be seated and they shall take away its dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom of dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Verse 23 happens. In, in a way. It was the Roman Empire that ruled for nearly a thousand years. We are still going to see the residue of that kingdom once we come down to the feet of iron and clay. But that part is coming into fruition right now. The ten horns which are the ten kings shall rise to this kingdom. The Antichrist, the one horn who is going to unplug the other three is rising now as you see in the world what's going on. And you see an interesting phrase here? And he shall intend to change times and law. If you go all over, even in the Western world, you will find it more obvious how the Western world is trying to change the law to bring immorality in and morality out. That's in the spirit of the Antichrist. Prostitution has been legalized, which is a sin before God. Gay and lesbian marriages, which is called civil union, is a sin against God, is being legalized. Soon they will legalize drugs. They brought down the drinking age. All the things to change, to come back into anarchy. So that when there's anarchy, somebody can stand up and take control. 
Not only do they want to change that, but they want to change times as well. Why would they want to change times? Because in the DNA of this earth, God is written into it. The perfect number is seven. How many days have we got? Seven. You know that the, the French tried to change it to a ten day week? A few thousand years ago, they tried to change it in. Yeah, I think it's a hundred years ago. They tried to change it into a ten day week. People died out of exhaustion. They had to bring it back to seven days. Even the atheists lived by God. Isn't it true? Seven days, twelve months. You'll see all these things trying to change and people coming back into that. Finally, this is the end. I can hear the sigh. Thank you, <laughs> this is the end of the account as for me, Daniel my thoughts greatly troubled me and my countenance changed but I kept the matter of my heart you know some people ask why didn't God give Daniel the revelation of the book of Revelation it's a good question isn't it because John was the chosen one you see, Daniel saw these beasts and these things and his mind troubled him. But John was the one who, after history went out, came to him. He saw other things and he got excited about it. What Daniel saw here in beast in the book of Revelation is like a magnifying glass going deeper in to the finer detail. And as we continue now, next week you're going to see two animals fighting it out. We're going to rewind again um, <clears throat> we're going to rewind again and you'll see that Daniel is in fact going to give us out of that vision of the ram and the goat he's going to give us a little bit more insight into some of these nations you're going to get a lot more information if you think that's a lot of information we've had over the last two weeks wait until you get to next week and you look at the ram who was the ram and who was the goat and what influence has that got on our earth today there's also a verse that the seven day Adventists use in, in, in Daniel chapter 8 which I will use next week or put it to you and give you the answer out of God's word God bless you let's all stand Heavenly Father I thank you for your word this morning and thank you Lord that we know about the books that is written the book of life the book of sin and Father yes it's true that we as Christians can still fail but how wonderful it is to know that we can go on our knees and repent of our sin and Father you wash it away you wash it away it's gone never to be reminded Father in fact you forget about it as if it never happened you forgave us our sins the, the, the meaning of forgiveness there Lord is as if it's never happened Thank you for that, Lord.